So we had to, we, we set out to do the impossible, which was turn food data into actionable health data. So, you know, we first looked at what was out there. Essentially, most food data is unlabeled. So you have all the foods you find it at Yelp. Basically, they don't have any macro, micro data at all. So the only things that are required by law to be labeled right now are groceries and basically chain restaurant menu items. So we set out to label all of this data that was available. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Nusheen Hashemi. Nusheen, thanks for doing this. I'm very happy to be here. So I've got a lot of things I want to ask you about, but why don't we start with January.ai and what it is and what you do there and why everybody should be excited about it. Okay, sounds good. We are a precision health company focused on eradicating lifestyle-based chronic diseases, starting with cardiometabolic disease. We try to do this, we we do this by trying to help people track their health over a long period of time and seeing trends that they can address before they become really massive problems. For example, we know that excess sugar in your blood over a long period of time can cause damage to organs and create other comorbidities. So we try to help you manage your blood sugar. So cl- closing that sort of path to, to a variety of comorbidities. We, uh, we take a whole person health approach. So the current standard of care is you know, to give one thing to each person to worry about. You worry about your cholesterol, your machine, you deal with your A1C, because generally it's believed that people can't keep too many things in their heads. But that's actually not true. It's true that people can't keep too many things in their heads, but that's where AI comes in. But we believe that we need to take a much more holistic view of people's health to, to really be able to make a difference and to make prevention really work. And the second thing is that you need to pull a lot of diverse data from different data sources to get answers. So just to do a blood test and figure out you have cholesterol doesn't tell the whole picture. So look at the whole person and then look at different data sources, synthesize the data, which AI does very well, way better than people. And then and then people can figure out what to do and what specifically they can do to have the most impact on their particular health and on their situation. It's, I can say a lot more, yeah, no, but just I, tell I me what you want to double click on. <laughs> yep, no, I have a lot of questions. Let's do just, let's talk about your background for just a minute and what led to this. Sure. So do you understand in your t- 10 years at Oracle, like you helped sales grow from like, what were the numbers of what it, what it was when you started versus? I arrived there on June 10th, 1985, and we had just closed the $26 million a year. And in the next five years, we went to a billion. So we went from 26 to, to, you know, 55 to 125 to 250 to 500 to a billion. And that is just, you had to be there to, to understand what that was like. It was phenomenally, phenomenally crazy and, and good in that we were, you know, we had this train, we were running at max speed and no, no one really knew what its speed actually was. But we were just pushing it to, to the absolute edge. And as a result, you know, pushed out everyone else out of the market. <laughs> so when I started, there were like a dozen database companies. And, and I think, you know, five, five, year, five years later, there was one besides us kind of standing. Besides the big, you know, besides yeah. the big blue. 
And then I saw that again in the 1990s with the search engines. You know, there were like a dozen until Yahoo kind of eked out other people. So incredible execution, just incredible speed. And what was your what was your job title when you decided to leave? When I left Oracle, my very last job title, I think I was, I want to say I was head of education for globally for, for all of Oracle. This was customer education. So we had a consulting practice and education was a part of consulting practice. But prior to, prior to that, I had been head of U.S. revenue, what we called U.S. revenue for a number of years. And that, well, I started at the bottom of the totem pole and just made my way up really, really fast. But U.S. Revenue basically managed all of the sales infrastructure. So we basically had a sales force, and then we had my organization. That's it. And then we had our head of sales. So I managed everything from all the finance functions, all the legal functions, all the sales forecasting and sales training and, like, everything you can imagine, compensation, compensation plans. So the entire infrastructure. So people could just go out there and sell, and, and my work did everything else. Oh, that's amazing. What What's one of your biggest takeaways from that time that you're you're bringing now to your current role oh my god i I, it's that is a very very loaded uh question (laughs) because once you've been in a situation like that you absolutely crave that you crave that adrenaline you crave you crave that speed that 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 massively coordinated execution by just so many people like you know i'd go to work one day and somebody would say go hire 200 salespeople no further explanation. Go hire 200 salespeople. And so, you know, my life was full of days like that. And so, you know, when you're kind of the, the maker, the fixer, the, the creator, the, the police, the, the everything. So my takeaways are many that, you know, a few committed people can do a lot of great things that you have to iterate and stick with it and be persistent. And you don't always have the quality that you want. And we saw that with Windows. We saw that with so many products that eventually became dominant is you just stay at it. You just stay at it and just keep iterating and improving to get to where you want. And like Oracle applications have been rewritten so many times. And, you know, most of the world's um, data lives in Oracle today. But that was just a very long and arduous process. And, and also, you know, huge premium on action. We used to have a saying that, you know, ready, shoot, aim. We thought anything that you were going to come up with, you know, you got trying to answer a question, you could take seven months to answer it. You could take seven weeks to answer it. You could take seven days to answer it. You probably kind of know the answer actually, right? But you're going to take this other time. So we were extremely action oriented and we knew we would make some mistakes, but we were a bunch of, you know, interesting people that came together and the alumni has done really great things. They've built a lot of amazing companies over and over again. So like, you know, Tom Siebel has done multiple companies, you know, Mark Benioff, really, really, really interesting. Those were my, those were my, my peers and my people. And well, going full circle on that, do I understand now that you're, you know, you've been the CEO over here at January.ai that Mark Benioff or Salesforce is an investor now in, in this one? That's fine. Mark Benioff personally. Yes, okay. not Salesforce, but Mark Benioff personally. Yes. Yes, Mark and I became VPs at the same time. He was 26, I was 27. I mean, he's a prodigy. He he was, I mean, I'm sure so much has been written about him. He's a very, 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 very unique individual. Brilliant, ferociously competitive, the smartest marketer that lives on planet Earth, and also has a heart. So it's pretty remarkable. Well, I want to I want to talk some more about January. I think maybe in part two we'll we'll hear more about 
meaning your husband and Oracle and then Yahoo and the family office and the foundations and how that influences the way you run January. But I got to tell you, you know, we have we've been lucky enough to have a lot of super interesting people on the show. And my team puts together the brief of who this is and what they are. And like, the more I looked into it, I was like, this is pretty awesome. So then I start texting my wife. I was like, you got to check this out, honey. And, and so we've got a number of chronic illnesses in our family. And, you know, that my wife's on the Apple Watch all the time for her health. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if you're going to get excited about this, honey, can you get excited before Tuesday at 11 when I talk to Machine? <laughs> so we are, we are officially signing up for your service. So can you tell people what we're signing up for? Yes, the current product um, is called Season of Me, and it starts with the 30 days of experiments, essentially. It really starts with, with the first CGM, which, which lasts 14 days. Those are the bulk of your experiments. Uh, the second 14 days are, are you just applying the lessons you've learned in the first half. And the experiments are really trying to help you experientially see what happens to your body when you do different things. So one of them is a breakfast experiment. So we take baseline data. We just have you eat whatever you normally eat for four days uh, so we can collect data on your glycemic response because, you know, we are we are an AI company. So fundamentally, we predict, we predict things. We build models and predict things. So after four days of eating your own breakfast, we give you a, a 75 grams of sugar, which is really a, an oral glucose tolerance test, an OGTT, CGM OGTT. So we give you the 75 grams of sugar to have for breakfast one day, and we watch, your, watch how your glucose responds to that, how your blood sugar responds. And then we ask you to eat a very low glycemic index breakfast of like eggs and cheese and you know, fiber and fat. And then we compare these three. So you can see if your breakfast is closer to the sugar shot, <laughs> is your breakfast closer to a low GL breakfast, and just how your body uh, responds. And I think a lot of people just don't take the time to do this, and they don't do it scientifically. But with a continuous glucose monitor, we can see your blood sugar with your heart rate monitor. We can see what else you were doing. Were you active before? Were you active after? We can, if you were active during, or did you get did you sort of what happened to you during these experiences and so that turns out to be very informative to people there's a lot of guilt around eating dessert for example we have people eat their favorite dessert for breakfast to see kind of what kind of glycemic response they will have to do at breakfast because it's the first meal of the day so it's most reliable in terms of a prediction and uh, yeah so i think these comparisons are really interesting and they're very informative and they're kind of stick with you nothing like actually seeing it you know it's one thing for a coach or a doctor nutritionist to tell you hey don't eat this don't do that that's another thing to see it for yourself well i think your days of you know head of u.s revenue at oracle show up in the marketing because things like you know i i like to begin with you've got a great looking website but to me it's the messaging that's nice is like it simplified it so quickly of like if I eat the fish and chips, this is what's going to happen to me. And then if I took a 19 minute walk after I ate the fish and chips here, and if I take a 34 minute walk, like it's so tangible. I, I watched, I think it was a Stanford talk or maybe it was a Scripps Mm -hmm. research talk of Michael Snyder and just seeing like how knowing this stuff, like my grandpa had type two diabetes. My dad had a number of illnesses. And like, I know that there's like some family things that I should be thinking about and just seeing like how much these how much can be predicted was, was really fascinating to me. Absolutely. And, and this is why Mike and I started the company this way. We, we knew Mark, Mike had already been using CGMs for years because, as you know from his talks, he has type 2 diabetes, which he found himself before it, it demonstrated 
in his markers. But we thought, okay, you can wear a CGM. That's pretty cool. Wearing a CGM, you immediately can see your blood sugar going up and down. But is that enough? Is that enough? Does that, is that telling enough? And we said, no, we really want to know how active you are. And we want to know what you were doing because you can get a big spike. You know, not all spikes are bad. You can go for a two-hour run and get a huge spike in blood sugar. That's not a bad. So we were like, okay, we can't just say spikes are bad because that doesn't make any sense. So what we did, it's another piece of the puzzle to know what's happening with this person's heart person's activity and heart rate. And then we said, is that enough? Are CGM and heart rate enough? And we said, utterly not. You need to know what people are eating. And this is this has been something that just no one's really tackled and no one's really approached. It's such a hard problem. I mean, my fitness pal wanted you to track your calories, but not because they were trying to predict your glycemic response, because people wanted to track their calories to manage their calories better and to understand kind of what they were doing. But that's a piece of siloed information. And also, you know, the integrity of the data is not high, so you can't really machine learn from it. So we had to... we. We set out to do the impossible, which was turn food data into actionable health data. So, you know, we first looked at what was out there. Essentially, most food data is unlabeled. So you have all the foods you find in, at Yelp. Basically, they don't have any macro, micro data at all. So the only things that are required by law to be labeled right now are groceries and basically chain restaurant menu items. So we set out to label all this data that was available on Yelp and, and curated the largest food database. And then we basically said, okay, what are the attributes of these foods in the classic sense? And then our next machine learning research was really what are the glycemic index and glycemic load of these um, foods? Because most people are focused on carbs, but carbs don't tell the whole You don't usually just eat carbs by themselves. You're eating other things with carbs, unless you're taking the sugar shot I was talking about earlier. But you, so you want to know how much fiber you're eating, how much fat and protein you're eating, and how much water your food has. So glycemic index is really a better predictor. Uh, a closer predictor is, is better associated with your glycemic response than carbs alone. So we then set out to come up with glycemic index, glycemic response for, for these millions of foods. And then we ran a clinical trial in over 1,000 people to watch their glycemic response from you know, healthy to prediabetes, people with type 2 diabetes, turn that into a prediction model. And this was our intention all along. We wanted to know how can we essentially, by understanding a few things that the person's eating, how can we understand how they might respond to everything else and, you know, help them make a decision. Should I stick this in mouth or not, my mouth or not? Should I stick this in my grocery basket or not? Without having to consume it and make their body the laboratory, make the AI the laboratory. And can I ask about that? So I heard that you can scan, like you can scan barcodes when you're sure. the grocery store and then you could like take pictures of your pizza and it like sees the pepperoni or something or what tell me about that you know so we we actually defeatured the the taking the pictures because okay. the technology we're using wasn't that good we okay. need to use something better we're still very committed to that but we need to use something better but, but yes you can absolutely do the barcode and you can get a curve for it so if you just look at the if you just look at the label behind the behind milk or anything it's just going to give you the standard label but if you look at january it's going to tell you jess's reaction to this milk and you know nushin's reaction to this pizza so it's very 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 you know, very personalized just for you and you'll get to see it visually instead of just looking at a number you get to see hey does it keep me in a healthy sugar range or does it does it push me out if it pushes me out what do i have to do 
to push it back in. Well, I can eat something else next time, or I can just not eat this, eat something else, or I can walk, I can walk or move. This was one of the first things we learned. You know, we, we did the craziest experiments on ourselves. We would, you know, we, we would eat, <laughs> we would eat things, same thing every morning. You know, one of our employees ate the same Muesli nine days in a row and uh, did exactly the same thing every single day, exactly the same level of activity, activity, everything. And yes, he had a different glycemic response every single time. So we were like, aha, it's like not different. Not only is it different between Jess and Machine, but it's different for Jess like every day and why. And so we spent a lot of years thinking about these things and looking at data. Um, and we also ate guar gum. We did a lot of things. We looked at effect of fiber. We put guar gum on a bunch of our food. We, we, we've done some crazy things to, to get to where we are today. But yes, the AI can predict your glycemic response to things you haven't eaten yet. And hence allowing you to decide either to eat it, eat a different thing, or eat it when you are able to be active around that time, that decision. So I'm kind of excited about this because so... About a year ago, maybe a year ago spring, my 16-year-old challenged me to uh, a no-sugar bet for a month. We we both put up $40, and whoever ate sugar first had to pay the other one, right? And I dropped, like, two belt sizes in, like, three weeks. And 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 then I thought, like, well, I don't want to just, like, put that back on now that our bet mm-hmm. is over. So I got, like, I didn't – I wasn't, like, very thorough about this stuff. I'm focused on the business. We're, we're growing the investment fund. So I just did the Tim Ferriss, like low carb for our body thing. And mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like I, I, I'm a tall skinny guy anyways, but I did drop like 20 pounds of fat and, and I start looking around and I'm like so many of the restaurants so much, like, I feel like our world is just trying to feed me carbs and sugar all day. And Absolutely. so, and I don't have like a very, like, I like how you guys talk about precise health because I don't have a very fine way like I'm making all these guesses and I'm like, and I'm frustrated at how limited the options are a lot of times when I go different places. So to me, I think what's fascinating is taking so much guesswork out of this kind of stuff and making it easy, like easy to train myself. Right. Well, you, I mean, Tim Ferriss is one of the most disciplined people on the planet and, and, and dropping sugar completely, you know, the bet you took is fantastic, but people can't maintain that 365 days out of the year. So the question is, how to help people live in the real life every day in the real world. And we're kind of obsessed with that. Like a lot of products that you use, you'll go through the most, you know, detailed, I would say almost clinical trial. It's a product you're paying for, but essentially it's a clinical trial you're doing for somebody else. They're collecting incredible data on you. At the end, they tell you eat this, eat these 10 foods and don't eat these 10 foods. That's it. That's all you're getting. Literally. And there's another one exactly like that. It basically says on a scale of one to 10, this is how you might predict, you know, we're predicting you might, you know, raspberries is a 3.6 for you and, and such and such is a 5.6 for you. So don't eat the 5.6, eat the 3.6 because it's better. But that's not living in the real world. I want to have raspberry pie, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to like sit there and enter, like build my own, you know, raspberry pie. I'm not going to come up with. So I don't want to have an encyclopedic kind of view of, of what I'm eating. So I want to be able to just go to Amici's pizza and figure out, you know, what I'm having. I'm at Domino's or I'm, I'm here or my local mom and pop restaurant. They have a lasagna. I just want to know what's in there. Or I'm in the grocery store and I just want to look things up. So we very much are obsessed with living in the real world and taking guilt out of eating. People can't 
just drop all sugar and all refined flour and just eat vegetables and walk 10,000 steps. They can't. So I think to accommodate what people can do and people are infinitely different from each other, which is why communism will never work, thank God, we want to give choice to people. So you get let people know, hey, this thing works for you. This thing doesn't work for, as much for you. So we know, for example, melons are like, you know, watermelons and high glycemic, you know, fruit. But, you know, it affects different people differently. Yes, it will spike everybody, but to different degrees. It also depends like what you were eating before and how much fiber you had in your stomach in the last 24 hours. And so it depends on, so we, we are obsessed with kind of letting people find the levers and then like tune the levers to be able to live on a sustainable basis over a long period of time. Well, I think this is a great place to end. Everybody, you need to go to january.ai and check it out yourself. Nusheen did not pay me to sign up. I, <laughs> I was impressed enough ourselves. We're doing it. We're doing it ourselves. We're getting our, our glucose meters <laughs> sent to us, monitors. And I encourage everybody to check it out. And whether you do January or not, everybody take your health more serious. You'll be happy as the years go on. Uh, Thanks, Jess. You guys, everybody tune back in. I've got a whole bunch more questions for Nusheen. <laughs>